0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. He is risen. I've been waiting to say that. Sometimes I just like, is Dave gonna say, say it? And is Paul gonna say it? By the time I get up here, I'm like, oh, here it comes again. Uh it never gets old. It's a thing, it's this is who we are. This is what we do, this is what we believe, this is what we say. Amen? Amen. Yes. Well, let me ask you something. I mean, this is a holiday. But I have to ask you, maybe what is? And don't answer this out loud. A lot of times I'll ask questions, and some of you shout back. I'll I'll tell you, you know, if it's like everybody, I want to hear it. But I don't know, actually, I don't care. Well, you know, what is your favorite holiday? Uh, when you think about there's so many great holidays and sometimes I'll get groups of people together and just sort of break the ice and it's like, hey, share your favorite holiday. And it's like, okay, now what's your favorite holiday? I always get Christmas and Thanksgiving. There's always one joker out there. It's like groundhog day. <laughs> it's like, okay, real super funny, whatever. And then you've got the other person who's like, my birthday, that's my favorite holiday, right? you get those. So you know who you are. You know what your holidays are. But when I think about this, Usually when it comes down to it, Christmas tends to be like the number one favorite holiday. But then I was thinking about this. For those of us with faith in Jesus Christ, what's the most important holiday? Which is the more favorite holiday? Is it Christmas or is it Easter? Right? And then it's like, whoa, do we got to pick one? Can't it be equally the same? So like us parents, I love my kids equally the same, Right? Same with holidays, right? Well, but according to most Christians, Christmas seems to be the one that people favor more. And so I try to think about why is it that people favor Christmas maybe more than Easter? So you think about it, and I'll share with my thoughts. I was thinking about this. First of all, Christmas has obviously been commercialized, and, and the well obviously the meaning of Christmas has sort of been lost, but it's now because it includes everything from gift giving and Santa and everything, it's sort of like it's... Everybody's into it and excited about it. And then, second, there's more of a joyful atmosphere at Christmas compared to Easter. You think about this we have songs and decorations, and and it's all going on even before Thanksgiving arrives. We're getting pumped up and fired up for a celebration. Easter, we've got like 40 days of giving up things, mourning our sin looking at what Christ did on the cross, to that one then big day of celebration. And so it's like, it just seems to be more happy, I guess is the word, more merry, uh, when you think of Christmas compared to Easter. And finally, I was thinking, well, celebration is the Christmas of the birth of Jesus Christ, and everybody loves babies. It's like, Going to have a baby. I know there's people in here. You've just had a baby, or some of you are maybe expecting, and very soon, and it's exciting. And so all this going on, it's like, who, who, baby's coming. And you're excited because what? Months before the arrival, you've prepared a nursery. You've picked out a name. That's all you talk about. And every time somebody looks at you, you're like, how far are you along? How far are you along? Sorry, Michelle, but we keep doing it. How far are you along? And it's just sort of like everybody keeps asking and it's like goes over and over. And it's like, okay, soon, soon, right? There's all this anticipation. And then after you're born, there's a big party. Everybody's excited and you get cards and, and congratulations and maybe a meal brought to you. I don't know. And then there's the once a year Let's remember your birthday. Remember your birthday. Oh, that was that awesome. That's so great. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you were born. There's all that excitement, right? Matter of fact, we're going to pause because we like babies so much. We're going to pause. We're going to play a game. We're going to call, the game's called Name That Baby. Okay? So if you look up on the screen, here's a, here's a couple of people that attend our church. Okay? Who are these little darlings? Who is this little boy? Who is this little girl? Well, they've grown up to be, you know, it's less than Karen Lofs. All right? Yeah, was like, oh, it looks just like him. I mean, seriously, go back. L- look at the smile on Les's face. Yeah, yeah, definitely, right? All right, let's guess this baby right here. Now, who is this little sweetheart? Well, you've probably seen her before. I'm, well, you saw her this morning because she was up on stage singing. There you go. You're like, oh, yeah. All right, now here's another little baby. Now, this one's not as old as the previous pictures that we've shown. This one, actually, you've maybe never heard, but well, unless you go to a ball game, then you can hear her cheering. So there you go, little Jillian Cohen. Yep. And now let's throw one more up there. Who is this punk? Well, I can call him a punk because he's my friend. He is Pastor Dave. So (laughs) yeah. So there you go. See now this is sort of, wasn't that fun? See, you guys are laughing. Now, if I would have put cemetery plots up there, guess who's buried here? You guys like that's morbid. God, what are you doing? Right? You're like, get off the stage. What are you thinking? See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's so much more fun. That's why I think Christmas compared to Easter, there's there's sort of a more joyful and giddy feeling, or whatever you want to call it. But but when Jesus Christ was born, there was a huge celebration. The Savior has born, been born, the Messiah has come. But then there's like a 30-year period. We don't hear much about Jesus. It's like, what happened in his teenage years? What happened in his 20s? And then, oh, he's 30. Boom, he shows up on the scene. Great teaching, incredible miracles. Things are happening all over the place. And it's like, the Messiah? I think it's the Messiah. He has returned. Hope is reignited. And we know so because on Palm Sunday, what do we see? We see the king riding in on a donkey. And it's like, just as it was prophesied, it is the Messiah. Everybody's pumped. Everybody's excited. But of course, all those hosannas turn to crucify him just days later. It's amazing, right? So let's go back here to this whole thing about Jesus and these holidays for us of, who have faith in Christ. Which one is more important, Christmas or Easter? Well, I'm going to go ahead and lean towards Easter. Christmas may be more exciting to celebrate, but really for the Christian, it's all about Easter. It, it, it really is. And, and they are equally important, absolutely. But Easter is so incredible, we cannot overlook it. Jesus, the one who was born, grew up to be a child of greatness, lived this perfect life, but then he was treated horribly and he was brutally murdered, but he came back to life. He rose from the dead. Not like a zombie, like maybe you've seen on TV, but like a victorious king. It's an amazing thing. And I want you to think about this and understand this is truth. If Jesus remains in the grave, Our faith means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. That just means our faith is like every other faith that is around here globally. Pick any religion. Pick their founding father. You know where they're at? Still in the tomb. Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, Joseph Smith, Mary Baker, Eddie, all those who started a religion, they are still buried. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, He is alive. Amen? Amen. And because of that, that's why our faith is different than the faith of others. Our risen Jesus came back to life. He is absolutely alive. And that's what Easter is about for Christians it's, it's different. We now have a resurrection hope. When I go to a funeral of somebody who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, I can stand over top their casket and look at those who are weeping and know that their weeping is different than others who weep. Because we have faith and a hope because of our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, that that body, too, shall be resurrected and in the presence of God. I believe that someday when I pass away, I'll be in the presence of God. I face resurrection because Jesus was resurrected, and I'm excited and hopeful for that. I don't have to fear the future. That's what sets our faith apart from all other faiths. Now, I want you to remember, though, thinking about this, Easter really is, then, for those who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It's your celebration. It's incredible. Let's go back though, right before the resurrection, to what happened. Let's remember prior to that, three days before the resurrection, Mary, the disciples, and many of the followers were just completely defeated. They were weeping in sorrow and darkness and depression. Hiding in the in their rooms. And we go back to then... Well, why were they doing that? Because of what took place on that Friday. We call it Good Friday. But on that Friday, Jesus was put on a cross at nine in the morning. And as he was nailed to a cross after he was brutally beaten, people walking by made fun of him, ridiculed him, laughed at him. Their soldiers did the same. The guys on each side of him on the cross did the same. At noon, the skies got dark. The earth shook. And at three o'clock... He took his last breath. For six hours, Jesus hung on that cross. For 360 minutes, he sacrificed for you and me. And to me, that's amazing. And that is why Mary and the disciples and so many others were weeping because all they saw was him take his last breath and then taken off the cross, pronounced dead, placed in a tomb. For them, they thought it was over, right? But it wasn't the end. The light had not been extinguished. There was still hope because the prophets proclaimed hundreds and thousands of years ago that this Jesus would resurrect from the dead. Jesus himself told his disciples multiple times, I'm coming back to life. I'll be in there for three days. I'll be buried, but I will be coming back to life. He said there is going to be a resurrection. And there was a resurrection. Well, was there evidence? Absolutely. There's an empty tomb. Well, empty tomb doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. It means he's not in there. Well, that just means they could have taken him somewhere else. No, no, no. People saw him alive after the empty tomb. Let me put a list of people up on the screen for you. You can see in the scripture references right behind their names, Mary Magdalene, she saw him in Mark and John, but then Mary Magdalene, mother of James and Salome, in the book of Matthew. Two travelers on the road to Emmaus met Jesus. Peter met him in Jerusalem. Ten disciples met him behind closed doors. And then the 11 disciples, because Thomas wasn't with them the first time, he came back a second time, met all 11 disciples. And then the seven disciples who were fishing, 11 disciples on the mountain, a crowd of 500, Jesus, brother of James, and those who watched Jesus ascend into heaven. There's all your eyewitnesses. If we have one person see something, say, I saw it. I believe you because you saw it. What if you had hundreds, maybe a thousand people say they saw it? You're like, I don't know if I still believe it. Why not? You just had a thousand maybe people say, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. We've all saw him, we've all saw him. Yeah, I don't know. But you're going to believe that one person over there about that thing that you just believe? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, right? Church, listen to me. He is alive. And we celebrate the resurrection. We have hope. Now here's the thing. You're given a choice. And if you're in here this morning for the first time visiting, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Second of all, you're given a choice whether you can believe everything I'm saying or not. It's sort of this way. When somebody walks up to you and they tell you something new that you've heard for the first time, you get to choose. You can say, "No, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I'm a little puzzled by all this. That's a lot to take in." So you sort of step back and you don't make a complete decision. Second thing you do is say, "No, I'm not going to believe it at all. That's it's, it's fiction. It's made up. And I don't believe it, not at all." Or the third choice is, "I believe it," and you act on it. And you can. It's obvious you believe by the way that you've. Brought in that information, now you're acting on it. It's the same way with this Easter story right here. When you're faced with an incredible proclamation that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is alive, you you have that choice. You can sit there and say, I'm a little puzzled by all this, this Jesus stuff, coming back to life. I, I need to learn more. I need to investigate it. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you're puzzled. Let's investigate. Because the second choice you may have is no... You can be agnostic and cynical about it and like, don't believe it, it didn't happen, it's all made up, it's all fiction, right? Or thirdly, like I hope and pray all of you in here is, I believe it. I accept this as truth, and it is changing me. See, for many of us, we believe it, but has it really changed you? I want you to think about this. Has Easter become like a background scenery in your life? I mean, it's sort of like this. I, I grew up in the church, okay? My, my grandfather was a pastor for like 60 plus years. My parents, deacons, um, elders, trustee, uh, church, uh, Sunday school superintendent. I mean, mom and dad did everything in the church. And then brothers too. And, and, and we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, missionary conference. I, I think if the janitor showed up, we, we showed up too because we thought the doors were open. I don't know. I mean, it's like we were always in church. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, that's just who we were. That's what we did. And, and so for some of us, the Easter story is just part of my life. It's Yeah, that's, that's what I grew up believing. It's just part of what I, the Bible says. But has it really impacted you? I mean, it's sort of like waking up and, and realizing, you know what? The earth is round and it orbits around the sun. Now, is that going to impact you tomorrow? You're going to wake up, oh, the earth is round. I've got to live today differently. The earth is orbiting around the sun. This this changes everything about Monday, right? No, nobody does that, right? In the same way, Jesus is alive. He's resurrected from the dead. Does that impact you when you wake up tomorrow morning? It should, but how many of it really hits us when we wake up in the first thing? We're like, ah, he's alive? And praise God, I am too. Let's go, right? Does it really impact you? Is that what Easter is becoming to us? Just something that, yeah, it took place. And once every 12 months, we'll get together and we'll celebrate it. Or should it be daily? Should it be something greater? As I said, if you believe, I don't want to put this statement up here because I'm a full heart believer in this. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will live like no one else. And if you don't believe, you're going to live like everybody else. Are you following me on that one? think it through. If you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're going to live like nobody else. But if you don't believe, you'll live like the rest of this world, caught up in the culture. So how should we celebrate? I mean, Christmas, that sort of comes easy, right? We know the songs. We know how to give gifts. We know how to be kind to people. We know all about, but at Easter, how do we celebrate outside of maybe all the other traditions that have been created for Easter? What, what can we do, especially during these challenging times? So I'm going to have you open up your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, we're going to look back at what happened at the resurrection, and we're going to look and see what the angels said, because we're going to take what the angels told Mary and the ladies, and we're going to run with that. We're going to run with that today. Now there's four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're called the Gospels. You can find the stories of Jesus. Most of the resurrection stories found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a little bit in John. Although John contains a lot of incredible information, that's not in the other three. It has less on the resurrection than these Matthew, Mark, and Luke. While you're turning to Mark 16, I'm going to read a different passage. So stay at Mark 16. I'll put up on the screen a different passage. This is Mark 28, verses 2 to 4. It says this Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, sat on it. His face shone like lightning, his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear, and they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Think about this. Now, the earth shook when Jesus was on the cross, and now it shakes again. People in Jerusalem are probably thinking, What is going on? This, this Our place has never shook like this before. You know, but now there's another big shake. an earth, it was a mega. It was big. And there was this huge stone that was in front of the tomb in which Jesus was buried. And it says the earth shook, and then an angel came down, and like he's all lit up, rolls the stone aside, sits himself down on top of that stone, and there was Roman soldiers' guard, and it says that they they, they, they got scared, and they fainted, like they just pop over, right? And we can't even imagine an incredible scene like that, but this is what takes place. Meanwhile... These women, followers of Jesus Christ, they're on their way to the tomb. That has just taken place. When the guards come to, either they scatter or we just don't hear about them in the next couple of passages and they're just laying there and the women step over them. I believe they've scattered by now. But the women show up and in Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1, we read this. Saturday evening... When the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Siloam, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Now remember, mega earthquake, stone rolled away, angel on the stone, right? On their way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? They knew where Jesus was buried. They had seen from a distance where he'd been buried. And they didn't think about We went out and bought all these spices, but who's going to roll the stone away so we can get in and finish the burial job? Uh, I don't know. But they just keep walking anyway, right? When they get there, the four Roman soldiers are gone. See, what they didn't know, they thought it was just a stone. But the stone was there, plus ropes over it, plus soldiers, plus a Roman seal on these ropes. Basically, you break through those that seal, you're in trouble with the Romans. And you got the guards to deal with, and you got a big stone. They didn't know any of this, but they show up, and what, what do they find? Look at verse four. But as they arrived, they look up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. It's like they get there, and it's like, whoa, who rolled the stone? They had no no idea, right? It's just gone. They didn't know about the soldiers, but here it is. Using this account, as well as the other books, Matthew. Luke and John, we're going to piece together what the angel then said to these women after they arrived. So here's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to summarize. Dave says I've always got four words for everything like love God, love others, eat less, move more. Uh, and so I'm going to give you another four One, Okay, actually, anybody that I've coached in baseball, uh, practice sharp, play sharp. They've always heard me say that. Here's one. Stop grieving, start living. Okay, it's really simple. Stop grieving, start living. This is really what the angels are going to say to these women but they said it in a much longer phrase so we'll go through and, with what they said. It begins and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put what the angels said and I'll put the scripture reference behind it and I'll put it up on the screen so you can follow along but here's what happens. First of all, they show up and what's the first thing these angels say? They're like, what are you doing here? Now the angels know what they're doing here. They've got the burial spices. It's, it's the followers of Christ. The angels know but it's sort of like what are you doing here? There's no reason for you to be here. I'm about ready to tell you why. But again, why are you here, right? And these angels, are, these women are probably like, they're probably a little uh, starstruck, frightened, scared, whatever word you want to use, okay? And so the angel said this, don't be afraid. This isn't a time to worry or fear or be in shock. We've got some good news. Let's clarify, first of all, you showed up at the address. Siri brought you here. You're looking for Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Correct? Yes. He's not here. The one you're looking for, Jesus, isn't here. He is risen. Oh, he was laying down dead, but he is risen. He's alive and he's not in here. He told you this, remember? Remember you guys were hanging out and you, the, and you were at Lazarus and, and at their house, Mary and Martha, and he's talking about things. Remember you're on the road and he was talking about remember how many times he told you he was gonna rise from the dead? He told you that. Remember? This is that moment right here. Remember that? So check it out. Go ahead. Go and go right inside. Check it out. Empty tomb. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're looking for, isn't here. Risen. Boom. Gone. Go ahead. Check it out. So as if they do check this out but to clarify that everything that's been said is true. But then the angels go on and say, now, okay, now now we've got clarified all this? Now, go. Go. There's no reason to stay around here. The one you're looking for isn't here. So you need to go and go quickly. Get out of here. Here's your first assignment. Go tell the disciples this message. Jesus is alive. He's risen. He is here. Go tell the disciples. Oh, and make sure you tell Peter. Peter's crushed right now. He denied Jesus three times, and he's feeling horrible. So can you make sure, see, my Heavenly Father, I want me to make sure I relay this message to you women. Make sure you tell Peter that Jesus is alive, that he's risen. It's all good. It's all good. And then tell them to go to Galilee. Jesus will meet all of you in Galilee. So basically that's the message summed up from the various scriptures. That's what they were telling them. Stop grieving, start living. And so these women, they go possibly babbling. I don't know, like a bunch of junior high girls that are excited about an upcoming dance and they just got asked by this boy. And, blah, 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 and, like, and they don't know what to think because we just saw an angel. Jesus wasn't there. He's risen. And we're supposed to go, right? It's, I don't know, but I'm, I'm assuming that they had to be very bewildered and excited, all wrapped up into one energetic blast of good news. And what they shared with the disciples was probably unbelievable. They probably got back and like, Peter, James, John, and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. is this really believable? What are you you girls, did you sleep last night? What's going on? We don't have to linger on these passages too long. I think the message is really clear. You don't have to pull apart word for word and examine every syllable. It's super incredibly easy. Stop grieving, start living. For three days they've been grieving. It's time to stop grieving and start living. How should we live then? If I'm supposed to start living, how should I then live? Well, the attitude is basically that of one who's confident and victorious. Church, listen very carefully. You serve a risen Savior who's defeated death. That means that that Savior, His Spirit, resides in you. You too are victorious. It's like walking into a national championship that's already been decided. You've already won. Just go claim it, right? Go ahead. Be a part of it. You're already victorious. And that's the attitude that we should have as Christians. He's alive. He wants to live through you and I now. You look back during the final week of Jesus and you say, but can we get a little bit more practical, okay? How then should I live? Give me some examples, Rex. How can I start living for him? Serving, praying, loving, sacrificing. All those are biblical. Go back to the, first, the last week Jesus was on this planet, on the upper room, serving his disciples, in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying. He showed his love by all the trials and the beatings, and then he sacrificed himself on that cross all those are actions that Jesus did. We too can do the same. I want to take you back in history, 15th century. is a rural village in Germany. And there's a family that had 18 kids. (laughs) Some of you thought eight's a lot, six is a lot, 18 kids. Two of the brothers were very artistic. And they sort of made this deal with each other. They thought, let's go to school Well, there's 18 of us, not all of us are going to be able to go to school to continue on to become an artist. So they made a patch with they, 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 they pulled out a coin, took the coin, flipped it. They made a call. Whoever wins is going to go to school. The other one's going to go to the mines and work. So they looked at the decision, was made. Albert would go to the mines, his brother would go to the school and learn to be an artist. Well, years later, when he finished up his schooling, he came back home. He's so excited, a young artist now. Comes back home, and and the family has this big dinner to celebrate him being an artist. And as they're around, and they grab their goblets, and they're going to do a little toast. But now his brother says, I want to toast my brother, who's been working in the mines. It is your turn, brother, to go to school. And now I will support you with my artwork. And your turn. But his brother Albert sat there and just sort of like shook his head, and wouldn't look up. He said, Albert, this is your, this is your turn. And Albert said, no, no. And he stood up and he showed his hands and they were all crippled. Cause working in the mines, he had crushed about every finger in the mines and he had become very heavy uh, with arthritis and he, he could barely pick up a glass to drink, let alone pick up a painter's brush. He's like, I can no longer do this. And his brother realized what had happened, that basically his brother made a sacrifice for him so he could live out his purpose. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? And in that moment, moving forward, as he became this great artist, Albrecht was his name. He said, I'm going to draw something in honor of my brother. And he drew it. now. It's actually a famous masterpiece. It's called The Praying Hands. These were the hands of his brother. It became very well known. Now when people look at this picture, a lot of people think it's all about praying to God. But now you know that the meaning behind this picture is more about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as well. That's what Jesus did for us. He, He made that sacrifice so we could have new life with him. There had to be death before a resurrection. That's just sort of the way Easter works. It's not easy to view that scene. None of us really likes the the Holy Week that builds up to the resurrection. But if we don't have it, we really don't have the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. So how should we live? I'll go back and say it again. Serving, praying, loving, sacrificing, and uh, dying to self. Dying to self. What that basically means is this, is that, A lot of us are, you know, myself included, can be very selfish at times. It's about what I want to accomplish, what I want to do, and it's easier for me if I just look at myself and take care of myself, because that's what we want. We want life to be easy. We want life to be easier, right? But if you ever looked at the word easier, there's a letter smack dab in the middle there. It's the letter I. And see, when I become very selfish, it's all about me. I want want life to be easy for me, right? But when you're going to live for Christ... I heard somebody say this. You need to get the I out of your life because it's not about you. It's about being obedient. That means you got to pick up the cross. Replace that I with the cross or the T. That's what Easter is about. It's not about you. It's about what Christ did on the cross. And now you pick up the cross and you be obedient and you follow Him. So, how do we celebrate Easter? Well, like the angel said, now go quickly. Tell the disciples, tell the world this incredibly good news. It's believing and it's sharing and it's living. So when we get done here today, I know some of you may have special meals. You may be going out to eat. You. Maybe you're going to somebody's house and you're going to celebrate. Maybe you got special plans. But here's the thing. Here's what the women did. They went and then they went and told those closest to them the good news. So wherever you go from here, make sure you take the good news with you. Be bold, be confident, be courageous because you're not alone in this. You're not alone at all. Let me hear you say, rise up. Rise up. One more time, rise up. Rise up. Now, listen, Jesus also, he served, we served. He prayed, we prayed. He loved, we loved. He sacrificed, we sacrificed. He rose up, it's time we rise up. Amen? And what I mean about this, what I think about this is that there were a lot of determined efforts of men under demonic powers who could not prevent the God of this universe from restoring Jesus back to life. They couldn't stop him, right? And just think about this. What's the greatest difficulty that you're facing in your life right now? What is the biggest problem that you're struggling with right now? What is the darkest thing you're dealing with right now? Do you really think God can't extinguish that and change that? Do you think God can't overcome that? If he can bring Jesus back to life, can he bring something back to life in your life? Can't he help you in your life? we just saying he's our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, right? Light of the world. Didn't we just sing that? Listen, if you don't believe it, please don't sing it next time. If you're making that proclamation, let's live it. Let's live it. His Spirit lives in you. Our source of hope is Jesus Christ. He is alive, and He is alive in us. Because He's in us, we can rise up with confidence, with holiness, with boldness, with courage. Now, I was thinking about this. The leading priests, Pilate, the Romans... They did all they could to secure the outside of the tomb. Let's guard the tomb. Let's put a big rock in front. Let's, let's cover it up. Let's put a seal on We have secured this from anything outside. <laughs> they forgot the threat was on the inside, not the outside. The power came from within. That's where Jesus was. And he busted out of that tomb. And we have to remember this. The real threat lies within us. His spirit lies within us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. Galatians 2, 20 says, My old self was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's you. It isn't just Paul's words. Those are the words of every believer in this room. And every person that's listening online, and every person that's a part of this church that maybe isn't here, they're traveling today, and any person that isn't just part of this church, but the church, the people who've placed their faith in God, they can proclaim that truth. Christ lives in you. Just move in the direction of your Savior. That's all we've got to do. He told you to go, now go. Go share the good news. Move under His agenda. Move with His instruction. Think about this. When Peter and John... These women come back. They're all excited. They're telling the good news and we're doing what he told. And by the way, just to let you know, they never did go to Galilee initially. They were told what? He's alive. He's risen. Go meet Jesus in Galilee. Peter and John left, but they went right to the tomb. They ran. John explains it. And uh, there's two disciples, Peter and another one, which was John. And and the one outran Peter. That was John. He had to put it in, in scripture that he was a faster runner. And when they got to the tomb, the one who got there first, John, stopped and Peter went in ahead of him and saw there was nothing there but the grave clothes of Jesus. And then John went in and he saw the evidence and it says, and he believed. But because they ran to the garden, they believed what the women said, but because they ran to the garden, they experienced something that none of the other disciples ever experienced. Ask Thomas, Thomas, did you see the tomb? No, I didn't. Why not? He was your Savior. Why would not you go see where he was and see that he's risen? Peter and John experienced something the others didn't experience. But of course they came back and they locked themselves back up in the room again. They didn't go to Galilee. Too many of us, at times, we've sort of believed and then we go back and we lock ourselves back up. Church, be free, please. Christ died for you. Your sins have been forgiven. He now lives in you with boldness and courage and confidence. Go live for him. Go share the good news. That's what Easter is about. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Easter may include a lot of great traditions. Some of you have your own traditions, in addition to maybe coming on Sunday to worship. But regardless of the traditions, do not forget the truths, the truths of what Easter is all about. Believe it. Live it. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus then rose from the grave. Church, Jesus is coming again. Amen? Think about that. He didn't stay there. He's gone. He's preparing a place for us. And while he's preparing a place for us, his spirit lives within us. He is risen. And he is alive, and he is alive in us. Would you please stand? Let's let the world see. Let's let the world know that our Savior is alive. And that he's alive in us. Let it be known by our beliefs and our actions that we truly do believe this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, so much for your word. I thank you for the story, the truth of what took place on that Sunday morning. When those women who were so sorrowful and upset thought they were just going to finish the, the job of a burial had no idea that your body had been resurrected. You would come to life, you defeated sin, you defeated death. and God, for, for 40 days now, this church is focused on confession. Knowing that our sins are a crime against the Holy God, against you. And and when we ask for forgiveness, you forgive us. You free us so that we can go live for you. And that all took place on the cross and in the tomb. And just like those women were encouraged, don't be afraid. Go quickly. Tell the disciples, tell everyone, Jesus is alive. God, that's where we stand today. Forgiven. We've placed our faith in you. We are forgiven. Thank you for forgiving us. God, now help us to live for you. Help us to be bold and sharing with others the truth. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Our God is alive and we believe that and we proclaim that. What an awesome God you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In thy precious name we pray. Amen.